from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield, this is Inside Eagle Nation, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. Strike three called, it is well with my soul at J.I. Clement Stadium. Your all-access look into Eagle Athletics is Inside Eagle Nation. Doogie with one, a three, and a win it! Got it! to the Learfield Studios. Here are your hosts, Colin Lacey and Danny Reed. Another edition of Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Colin Lacey alongside the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed, and we made it down the mountain. Phew. Yeah, we did. Somehow we didn't get caught in any rain, which we had to move up Sunday's game to get ahead of it, but fortunately we didn't get hit by rain at all. And the Eagles not only won the series at App, but they went 4-1 and one last week. Taking four games out of a five-game week, exactly what you want if you're Georgia Southern baseball going towards the back half of the schedule as we take a look on other things around Georgia Southern athletics really quickly. Georgia Southern women's golf will be heading down to the Sunbelt Conference Championships down in Daytona on Monday through Wednesday of next week. So Monday... Yeah, right. (laughs) Weird. Monday the 15th through Wednesday the 17th. Georgia Southern Women's Golf and head coach Emily Kufeld will be down in Daytona for the Sunbelt Championships. Last year, they put that on Facebook Live. They're going to do that again with Dan McDonald doing all of it. Excellent. But a, If there's anybody in this league that should be talking about golf, it's Dan McDonald. Without a doubt. <laughs> I don't know that there's anybody else that I would think of in this conference to talk about golf. Well, number one, he knows everything about the conference anyway, so he's perfect for it, but he's got the right kind of tone. He's got the nice, nice little soft voice. He's perfect for it. Georgia Southern softball also on the road this past weekend as they were down in Monroe, Louisiana. Actually had weather alter that schedule as well. They played a doubleheader on Friday. Georgia Southern fell in the first one 14-13. That one must have taken about three days. And then won the second one 9-1 over the Warhawks. So split the doubleheader on Friday. Did not play Saturday. And then Sunday, that one was called due to rain. What to do in Monroe, Louisiana for two days? well we talked about it the week before when georgia southern baseball was down there in 2016 we had the day in between with a friday doubleheader and played on sunday afternoon i honestly don't remember what we did on that saturday it's all right they probably don't either but you got the shopping mall that's about a mile and a half walk from the courtyard hotel which the team always stays at and i'm sure at some point walk down that way you got the Copelands down there, which is an awesome Louisiana staple restaurant. But I honestly do not remember exactly what the team did on that off day because it was postponed because of rain. That's why we played the two Friday. This was three years ago. It never rained. So of course thinking, not. Okay, we could have kept it normal, but Georgia's other won that series. But yeah, that's Saturday. That's that's escaping me. Georgia Southern softball split the series in Monroe. They won the second game 9-1, to lost the first one 14-13 to to open up the series, but split the weekend. They will be against the College of Charleston at Eagle Field on Wednesday and then here this weekend against Troy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Happy belated birthday to head coach Kim Dean. Was walking through the Parish building earlier this week and saw that 
her office was all decorated. You had <laughs> happy birthday across the top. They put about 17 balloons down each side of the door. Happy belated birthday. Actually, I had a chance to see Coach Dean last week when we filmed the Subway Bracket Challenge over just off of the bypass. It was Coach Dean and Coach Lunsford talking about the final two sandwiches in the 2019 Bracket Challenge. It came down to steak and cheese and the Italian BMT, something you're going to see on GSEagles.com here very soon. But you'll have a chance to vote on that. The contest runs through May. It's, it's different to hear coaches talk about something else outside of their teams. Because usually with Coach Ludsford, it's, oh, what's Eagle football doing? With Coach Dean, it's how's the softball team doing? But that was, that was unique getting a chance to see that. When you were telling me about going over to Subway and shooting that, it made me think back to last year when you and I did the everyday play-by-play video. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember what it was for. Probably nothing, but – and then <laughs> – I remember what it was for. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then you had – the best part of it was – Assistant men's basketball coach Ben Betts walks in. Yeah, this was awesome. And we talked about him going to the ATM. We made sure we didn't creep in on him putting his PIN number in. We backed off enough about that, but talked about his wide stance, made sure he was getting the right, right amount of money out. And the whole time, he's laughing because <laughs> that wasn't planned. We were just, no. we were walking around Landrum thinking about different things we could talk about. I think we ran into the women's tennis team at breakfast on our way out. We saw Coach Betts going to the ATM. We rode the gold shuttle all around campus. Made our way over to the science building for class. First time I'd gone to class in quite a few years. One of the best parts of that is we passed a sticker on a light pole that said, buckle up for safety, and you did a PSA for it. That's how the video ended. Yeah. Jake Hallman did a great job at Stout House, and he, they actually shot the, the subway footage the other day over it, over on the bypass. But again, Georgia Southern Baseball goes 4-1 and one on the five-game week. Uh, started it off against the Presbyterian College Blue Hose here at J.I. Clement Stadium. It was a 10-5 victory for Georgia Southern, and that was one that didn't start off the greatest. Georgia Southern got down 5 to nothing against Presbyterian, but a eight-run eighth inning. That'll do it every time. So I hear. Yeah, yeah, considering, <laughs> <laughs> considering that Georgia Southern hasn't lost to Presbyterian since 1951. These teams haven't played in 10 years, but head coach Elton Pollock and Rodney Hennon, they know each other very well. That was a that was a different kind of game because PC came out and swung the bats pretty well. They didn't yeah. hit the ball all that hard, but somehow they kept finding holes, whether it was on the Georgia Southern infield or the outfield. You're up 5 nothing going into the fifth inning. Eagles get one. They get one. They're down 5-2 to two going into the eighth. And then with one out... Ten straight guys got on base. Usually, great rallies happen with two outs. But this was a rally that saw Georgia Southern tie the game at five. Stephen Curry had a bloop two-run double down the right field line. Then you had three straight walks to load the bases. The fourth walk brought in a run. That gave the Eagles the lead. And then Noah Ledford put it out of reach with a three-run double to left center. It felt like it happened about a year ago because you had a five-game week at three different sites. We'll talk about College of Charleston down in Savannah in just a moment. That was a long half inning, but a good half inning, and the Eagles really needed it because, as we found, that was the springboard to the rest of the week. During that eighth inning, I had moseyed my way up to the concourse just to see a couple of people, shake some hands, and saw Stacy Sykes, and we're sitting next to him and Shannon. And as that inning kept going, I was like, well, I can't leave now. This run score, you can't change where you're at, so I just had to stay. No, of course not. And so, talking with them, I looked down at my book. I was like, Noah Ledford's on second base. If he scores 
everybody in our lineup will have scored this inning. But he got stranded. And Stacy's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to think about it. If you score yeah. eight in an inning. I mean, it makes sense. Everybody, but, you don't look at it that way, but if you score eight runs in a single inning, that would mean that eight different guys, for the most part, would have scored runs unless you get a walk or a crazy double play or a force out somewhere mixed in between. Wacky inning, though. You had eight runs earlier in inning this year against UNC Asheville. That was in the series finale against the Bulldogs about a month or so ago. Eagles needed that inning. They needed that inning. They hadn't lost to Presbyterian again in 68 years. And then the next night, you head to historic Grayson Stadium in what was a really competitive and a well-played game against the College of Charleston. Eagles lucky enough to pick up a 3-1 victory against the Cougars. That was a heck of a ball game, but the thing that I want to focus on is outside of the ball game. That was a heck of an atmosphere. Yeah, it was. The number of attendance wasn't necessarily, I think, where everybody would have wanted it, but the first year you're doing it, you can understand. But even though the number attendance-wise wasn't where you may have wanted it, that was a heck of an atmosphere. Great games, you could feel atmosphere. I don't care whether the press box is 10 rows up or here at J.I. Clemens Stadium when you're raised above the action or other places when you can feel like you can grab a cloud. You could feel the pulse of that game. And it was a really good game, which helped. Tyler Owens for the second time, brilliant against CFC, gave up one run over seven innings. Tyler Martin had a couple of RBIs. Stephen Curry having a terrific junior season. He's up to 370 on the year, part of it because he went four for four against the Cougars, tying a career high in hits. But that Georgia Southern bullpen, Hayden Harris comes in, finishes things up with two scoreless. Eagles defended well, didn't commit an error. Curry had a great diving stop. We also had Blake Evans have a great diving stop, even though a run scored on that play to give CFC its only offense of the evening. But a necessary victory against a Cougar team. We remember talking about this on Wednesday. They had won five in a row. They had scored 52 runs their previous five games. Georgia Southern held them to one. A lot of kudos goes out to a number of people for being able to not only have the atmosphere that you did at Historic Grayson Stadium, but, heck, to even pull this off. A lot of kudos goes out to a lot of different people around the athletic department, but there's a couple people we got to focus on real quick. Sure. We've talked about Tori Thurston a lot during this podcast. She's been on the podcast, but Tori... She named our tree. She did. Oakley. Oakley, that's right. But she did a heck of a job preparing the marketing plan for this, executing it, and it was weird. We actually got to see her in action this weekend because at Historic Grayson Stadium, it's all basically one room. Right. And so we were set up far to the left, and then right beside us was Tori and Guy Malul, the PA announcer. Mm-hmm. And so while they're going through their whole pregame spiel and everything, you get to see Tori walkie-talkie and everybody <laughs> telling Guy when to go, what to do. And it was pretty impressive. Had Chad Lunsford come on during the second inning? You did traded barbs with him for about 15 minutes. I thought we were going to wait until August until we'd mercilessly get made fun of, but Chad always does it in good fun. We had shot the Subway video earlier that day, that earlier that Wednesday. He's just, he's such a natural with stuff like that. He, I think he's the first person that has used my microphone. Outside of you, yeah. Yeah. The Brock Meyer style microphone, yeah. Pass the torch. <laughs> That's the first game that I had called at Historic Grayson Stadium in eight years. I've 
told it, talked about this a good bit, but I used to be the voice of the Charleston River Dogs in the South Atlantic League when that stadium was occupied by the Savannah Sand Nats. Their home games were at Historic Grayson Stadium, one of the oldest ballparks in the country, built back in 26. But that press box has not changed. It's not just <laughs> since I've been there, but I'm going to guess it hasn't changed a whole lot since the ballpark maybe was built or maybe when it went through its series of renovations. But as soon as I walked in, I could just feel all of those late night South Atlantic League games just flood back into my memory. You turn left, you could set up your broadcast over there. The PA stuff was always right in the middle. You could turn right and go all the way down the corridor. But the sports info people, Whitney Noble for CFC, AJ Henderson for Georgia Southern were all, all the way down to the right. We occupied the left side. It, it was fun to be there. It brought back a lot of good memories, and we created some more as Georgia Southern got the victory. One other group of people that we need to give a shout-out to for making Wednesday happen, and talked about it a little bit on Tuesday night as I made my way out to the left center field, behind the left center field wall, yeah. as <laughs> to visit with the grounds crew who is creating a deck out beyond the left center field wall. If you're at J.I. Clement Stadium, it's just past the Braswells and Georgia Farm Bureau sign on the outfield wall, just to the right of the scoreboard. They've got plywood on top of the storage container, and it's about 15 feet behind the wall. I thought it was right up against the wall. It's about 15 feet behind it. And I did too because sometimes during batting practice, we see home runs go off the top of that and go a little bit longer. But to see how far that actually is behind the fence, that makes some of those home runs look more impressive. And so talking with Jeremy Yarbrough and Ray Malone for the grounds crew, they were telling me that, yeah, we've got to leave early tomorrow morning to go down to Savannah. I was like, wait, you guys have to – and it makes sense. I just didn't think about it at the time. But they had to pack up all of their tractors, equipment, whatever to do a game here at J.I. Clements, had to pack that all up, take it down to Savannah, and they were the grounds crew down in Savannah. Yeah, We were told that the city of Savannah was planning that if they didn't do that, they would have the city of Savannah would have gotten the field ready for the game before both teams got there and then just left it which after BP after in and out field's going to be messed up so Jeremy Arborough Ray Malone did a heck of a job taking their crew down to Savannah and ran it just like it was a game here at J.I. Clements and the field looked really really good it's one thing to have to work at a field that you get to know how the field drains, how the weather is, how things need to be done. But to go down day of and get acclimated to a surface that's been through a lot over the last 93 years, but to go there that quickly and get a handle on things and make that field look as good as it did going for the game, they deserve a huge pat on the back. But again, Georgia Southern got the 3-1 to victory over the College of Charleston on Wednesday. We then left on Thursday. It felt like we left right from there to go up to Boone. But thankfully, we got about 30 minutes of sleep, and then we made that long climb up the mountain for a three-game set against the Mountaineers. Yeah, as you and I were pulling back into Statesboro, we're like, all right, what time do we want to leave tomorrow? Yeah, it's a five-and-a-half-hour, six-hour drive up the mountain. <laughs> whatever it was. It was it had, not going to be before 10. Well, yeah, whatever it was, it had to have four numbers. It wasn't going to be a three-numbered <laughs> time. It was definitely going to have four numbers. But we headed up the mountain on Thursday, got up to Boone, North Carolina. No snow. And This was really weird, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but this is the strangest weather I've heard 
The strangest weather I've experienced in Boone. We recapped the week before thinking, okay, heat wave was upper 40s. You're still going to have to wear a thick jacket or whatever. We get up there. We pulled in. It was 71 degrees in Boone. Yeah, it was. Seven were. followed by a one. Usually those numbers get flipped. <laughs> Usually there's a lot of snow on the ground. It was 71 degrees when we pulled in on Thursday. Yeah, we experienced a lot of really weird weather this past weekend up in Boone. But on Saturday and Sunday, I had taken my big fleece pullover and my big jacket, taking it down to the field with me. I had to shed both of those and i was in short sleeves and i got sunburned in boone we were prepared for snow apocalypse and it turned out to be a really pleasant day saturday and sunday it was one of the more pleasant days we've had for baseball in the last couple of weeks great crowd there for the regular game on saturday after friday's game got suspended we'll get into that but yeah that it was just it was good enough you could have taken a nap in between the games i think i think some did yeah i agree but you've got to start with Thursday. We get to Boone. We go to Smith Stadium. Eagle Nation, you can be jealous at this point now. Well, not quite yet. We're getting there, though. Okay. <laughs> not, not yet? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Because nobody's jealous of us going to Smith Stadium. Sorry. Oh we're, oh, we're doing setup first? Yeah. Okay. We're painting the picture. Okay, okay. That's what we do. Haven't you listened to Matt All right. Stewart? All right. <laughs> Brush to get... But you look at what <laughs> Appalachian State has at Smith Stadium. We go in, and we set up our equipment. We're ready to rock and roll right about the time that the team gets there. A.J. Henderson comes up and hops in the back of the truck, and I mean the back. And we go down to the Daniel Boone Inn. D-A-N apostrophe L. If you try to search on it, it'll change the name. You're thinking, what, what, what's all this business? <laughs> but, yeah, you see the sign – but yes, this is where we went. So the Daniel Boone Inn, we had gone with, or I had gone rather, with women's basketball, I think the last two years. And you have only had I had only had dinner. dinner. I had been there five years before. I'd only called one baseball series up there. That was I was with the Citadel back in 2014. We went there for breakfast twice, so I've never had dinner there. Daniel Boone, to set the picture for you. It's on the corner of two of the busier streets in Boone. Mm-hmm. It's one of the main intersections, and it's just a small white house, a house that was built in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, and the only way I can describe it is it smells like your grandmother's house on Thanksgiving. It's got that old-timey smell, but it's, it's also got the smell of really good food. And it has a gift shop. <laughs> it does. It has a gift shop with coonskin hats. Yeah, which I almost bought, by the way. That would have been awesome. <laughs> and so you walk in, and it's a family-style restaurant. It is absolutely phenomenal. We had talked to the owner a couple of years ago, I think the first time that women's basketball went, and said that everything was hand-cooked the same way that it was Back in the 1900s by their family. It's a family-owned place, family-run place. Miss Betty, who is the grandma of everybody, she has stepped out of the kitchen because she said she got too bored back there. And she is now the one waitress that they have for the entire restaurant. And she is rolling. Extremely simple approach. No menus. They have a set list of what they are making that evening. You sit down, tell them what you want to drink, Ten minutes later, they have carts filled with country-style food, and they just keep piling piling it on the table. And so as you sit down, they'll bring you a 
cauldron of soup. I You've got the soup, that's right. vegetable soup that they bring out first. Get your vegetable soup, and by the time you finish three bowls of that, they are bringing out fried chicken, country fried steak, mashed potatoes, corn, green beans, coleslaw, fried apples, fried apples, gravy, mashed potatoes. You said mashed potatoes. mashed potatoes. <laughs> new pants. New yeah. belt. New belts. <laughs> Wind pants. Stretch, stretchy pants. They've got the best thing that they have. They have the ham biscuits. Yeah. Those will almost make you cry. But it was absolutely phenomenal. Danny, myself, AJ Henderson got to experience that, and we joked that we were going to come back four more times, and it almost wasn't a joke. Well, if the weather didn't. If the weather would have cooperated, I think we would have. But we needed the rest after that meal. And Friday was (laughs) definitely a little bit different in terms of what we saw. Or didn't see. Oh, that's that's a very good way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. Game went pretty pretty smoothly. Starting pitching from Seth Schumann and Will Sprinkle of App State. Both were really good. Eagles didn't get a runner on the first five innings. Schumann matched him. He ran into trouble in the first. Had a couple of strikeouts to leave in two in scoring position. Didn't give up much else after that. But then you get to the top of the sixth. Remember, at this point, Eagles were 15 up, 15 down. They finally were able to get a runner on. Jason Swan, first pitch single out to right field. Will Sprinkle finally had to go out of the stretch. And the first glimpse of what could be a great career in Statesboro was realized. J.P. Tig, freshman catcher from Dalton, who had seen minimal action with Matt Anderson catching almost everything up until that point of the season. Matt missed all of last weekend because of an injury. J.P. comes up looking for his first college hit. He had Swan at second after a Blake Evans sacrifice bunt. Solid single back through the middle. Swan scores, first run of the game, his first hit, his first RBI, and it was just the beginning of what would be a great weekend for him because he had to play all three games. Then the bases get loaded. Mason McQuarter stings one up the middle, and App was playing a shift against him all weekend, so the ball was headed right for the shortstop, Joel McDaniel, who was playing to the other side a second. Ball hits the field umpire, Gus Curtis. Dead ball. RBI single. One base. 2 nothing. Noah Ledford, very next pitch. RBI single out to right field. 3 nothing. A run does get thrown out at home, but Georgia Southern scored three in the top half, and then we went to the bottom half. Schumann got the first out. He hit the next batter, Philip Cole, on a 2-2 pitch. And we had seen little patches of fog sometime around the third inning, but they quickly blew away. What started to settle in the outfield just kept getting tougher and tougher to see and more dense. After Cole got hit, the umpires got together, brought both head coaches together, pulled everybody off the field for a fog delay. We've heard about fog delays. We've seen other teams experience fog delays. I personally have never been a part of a fog delay. I thought, and I said it on the air and I misspoke, because I never thought that I had experienced a fog delay either. But... Talking with B.J. Green later on in the weekend, he reminded me that when Georgia Southern played Indiana a number of years back, and I completely, completely forgot about this. It was early in the season in non-conference play back in 2013. 
Georgia Southern playing Indiana the second weekend of the series, we had a fog delay. We postponed a game because of fog. I had completely forgot about it. Kyle Schwarber was on that Indiana team, if I remember right. He was. And strangely enough, that weekend, we only got two games in. Yeah. I completely forgot about that until he brought it up on Saturday or Sunday. If you look at that in the media guide and you see two games, oh, Indiana was just down here for a midweek series. But you take a look at the actual schedule, that was a Friday-Sunday split. You lost Saturday. Now, the Eagles split the two-game series, but didn't play the Saturday game because of Falk. Weird, weird things happen in baseball. But up in Boone, is the fog, it got to a point you couldn't see the outfield fence. No. But yeah. – after the game was suspended and we packed up what little we needed to because, heck, we had to be back there at 11 o'clock in the morning to finish up and then play the second game. Once we got back down the mountain, fog was gone. It, it was, was clear as could be. It was weird. We were going to dinner that night with Randy Jackson, not the American Idol host, but the incomparable one of the voices for Appalachian State Mountaineers. I was upset we didn't see Harrison battle this weekend, but he had wedding obligations. He had, his, I think his brother was getting married last weekend, so we didn't get a chance to see him. I'm kind of perturbed at Harrison, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> because this week he had wedding obligations. One time before, when we had gone to Boone for basketball, he was in Savannah for another wedding. That's I think right. he's just making it up. That's right. But anyway, good to see Randy. Yes, it was. Always good to see him. He's doing the AppVision ESPN Plus broadcast for majority of the rest of the season. I mean, we've known him for almost 10 years now. Yeah. Going back to the SoCon days, of course, his son David was the longtime voice of the Mountaineers. He stepped aside after the 2015 season. But anytime we can catch up with either of them, that's that's a good trip. So Georgia Southern finished up after the fog suspension in the bottom of the sixth inning. Finished up game one with a 3-0 victory over the Mountaineers. Fell in game two 9-5 against App State. And then on Sunday came back. The schedule altered once again as started at bright and early 10 a.m. atop the mountain. 10 a.m. tournament game. That's what it felt like, Colin. You ain't joking. It's Appalachian State. And Georgia Southern at 10 a.m. We went on air at 9.30 and we were barely awake. But a 6-2 victory for Georgia Southern over Appalachian State. And you talked about it earlier. J.P. Tyke had a huge impact in that ball game. Picked up two more RBIs. He had three on the weekend. And he's a guy, and you know I'm partial to catchers. We both are partial to catchers. Right. But being able to watch him behind the plate receiving in his first Sunbelt Conference series, he learned he was going to play in these games 45 minutes before the first pitch of the yeah, first one. That's right. He was phenomenal. He has gained a huge fan. He'd started one game all year. Yeah. At the Citadel a few weeks ago, Matt did not play that game because of illness. He gets his first three conference starts, and it takes him exactly three games <laughs> to become a fan favorite. Two for four, an RBI double in the fifth inning that got Georgia Southern on the board. It was 2 nothing app at that point. His RBI double off the glove of the diving right fielder, Tyler Leak. It made it 2-1. Stephen Curry, who just continues to rip the cover every which way off that baseball. Two-run single and a 1-2 count. 3-2 lead. Eagles didn't give it back. They scored the final six runs. And even though it was just one game, 
it was a victory over App State. It was a series victory over App State, and it felt like a really important win that Georgia Southern had to have coming off the mountain to finish a four in one week, but also to remove the stigma of the week before dropping two of three at ULM. That was one you had to have, and Georgia Southern got it, especially being down by a couple early. And you come into a week that, and we'll dive into a little bit more of the specifics later, but Georgia Southern faces Kennesaw on Wednesday, another in-state rivalry game. And then this weekend, you've got Texas State coming in, and that's going to be a big test for this team as to where on the barometer Georgia Southern baseball is this year. Haven't had a home conference series in three weeks. Had to go to ULM, had to go to App State, haven't been at home since taking two out of three against Little Rock, which anytime you bring up that series, I'm going to have to take a minute to rub my head because the headache's going to come back. But the Eagles did take two out of three, three games taking about 12 hours to finish. But knowing that Texas State is coming in, how well they have done so far, even though they dropped two of three last week in Detroit, that's going to be a great series at Clements. We'll dive deeper into the four games coming up for Georgia Southern Baseball in our final segment. But while we have a moment, let's send it to Roger Edman for some Eagle Tales. Time now for Eagle Tales with Danny Reed and Roger Inman. Roger, by now everybody knows about Georgia Southern's run to the 1990 College World Series. But the next season, Georgia Southern hosted Georgia for two games at J.I. Clement Stadium. We open up against Georgia, so you've got Georgia Southern who's in Omaha. You've got Georgia who's in Omaha that opens up here on the little old uh, J.I. Clement Stadium. Uh, the two umpires who's supposed to work at Tony Thompson and Mark Barron decide they're going to get on a plane and fly down from Atlanta, Savannah, ride over casually and umpire the game. Well, for some reason they couldn't read which is a good thing for an umpire, so they got on a flight that took them to Charleston. They planned on an hour ride to, from Savannah. Well, they called me and said, we just landed. We'll be there in an hour. I said, where are you at, Tony? He said, we're in Charleston. I said, you won't be here in an hour. He said, what do you mean? I said, it's a good, from this Charleston airport, it's a good two and a half to three hours if you're driving fast. You're not going to be here for game time. So I went down and uh, got a hold of Steve Weber, Coach Dollins. Neither one of them was in favor of delaying the game 30 minutes for Tony and Mark to get here. So I called Tony back. He said they want to start the game. Uh, he said, well, do you have anybody there? For At that time, we had three college umpires in town. Two of them were already on the way to call basketball, and one of them was in class, so I couldn't get him. So I went back down, and uh, Steve and Coach Dollins looked at me and said, well, you used to work the game. I said, I've got a basketball game myself later this evening. He said, well, you get it started till Tony and them get here. I said, I'll do that. I said, but I want you to do me a favor. When Southern's in the field, I want a Georgia pitcher umpiring the bases. When uh, Georgia's, when we swap out, I want uh, a Georgia, a Georgia, you know, whoever's at bat, I want the opposite team's pitcher out there calling bases for me. They would not agree to that. So they said, we want you to do it all by yourself. About the second inning, I have a check swing situation. Uh, Georgia Southern's at bat. Georgia swings. Did he go or not go? Uh, hell, I don't have a clue. Uh, you know, so I say, no, he didn't. And they could the catcher jumps up, starts, yeah, check him, check him, check him. So I looked down at the kid, catches. Who the hell am I gonna ask? You know, <laughs> he looked back at me, and says, you know, that's a pretty good thought. Who are you gonna ask? Uh, retrospect, what I should have done is said. You know, yelled down to the air at first base and say, did he go? And then jog down the first baseline and say, no, he didn't. You know, turn back around and make two calls at the same time. But, no, that was that was probably the better part about Georgia and Georgia. So you got two of the best teams in America playing here this year. And uh, the opening day, the two umpires get on the wrong flight to come umpire. <laughs> Roger, that was awesome. Let's go to Kyle Lacey with this week's Beyond the Bio. Time now for Beyond the Bio with Colin Lacey. 
Welcome back into another edition of Beyond the Bio here on Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics as we step into Georgia Southern Volleyball with the new head coach, Chad Willison. Coach, first off, congratulations. Welcome to Statesboro. What's it been like the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, getting acclimated to Statesboro? Well, thanks, Colin. Uh, we're ecstatic to be here. The last couple months have definitely been a whirlwind, uh, trying to not only get acclimated to the campus community, but the Statesboro community as well. Uh, my family and I, Caroline, my my son Aiden, my daughter Maddie Grace, um, they had a chance to get down here beginning of March, and uh, so far we're just we're incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be here. Everybody uh, from Georgia Southern and the Statesboro community have been uh, incredibly hospitable. Uh, there's a there's a great positive energy uh, surrounding Georgia Southern University and the athletic department in general right now, and we're just we're excited to be a part of it. You were at Appalachian State before making the transition to Statesboro. From the outside looking in, what were your initial reactions of Statesboro, your first impressions of Statesboro? Sure. I think first and foremost, family, community. And that was something that was that was apparent on my visit down here uh, during the interview process from uh, all the wonderful people that I had an opportunity to interact with. Uh, you can just tell there's a great sense of pride and passion here, not only about Georgia Southern, but uh, but for all the sports in general. And uh, we're, we're really excited, really looking forward to tapping into the, the potential that surrounds our program here. It's got a great history of success, and, and we understand that, and we're, we're ready to, to gather and get after it and, and work on, on rebuilding uh, that tradition. Give us a little bit of backstory on you. When did volleyball become such an integral part of your life and especially coaching? When did that become what you wanted to do in life? Absolutely. Volleyball has been such a big part of my life uh, from, a, from a young age, really. Uh, both of my parents uh, got involved with it, uh, actually, ironically, through a church league um, way back when um, I was growing up in elementary school. And uh, that sort of just um, spread like a wildfire. Uh, they actually ended up starting a volleyball club, a little two-court facility that I pretty much grew up in uh, through my middle school and high school years. Um, there was not a lot of opportunities for me uh, with boys volleyball in, in the local area of Fredericksburg, Virginia, where I I grew up, so I actually ended up traveling down to Richmond, Virginia, due to my club ball. Um, this was about an hour away. Um, started that when I was about 12, uh, went through all the way till I graduated um, from the coaching angle. Um, got into it pretty young as well. My junior and senior year in high school, I was actually a volunteer assistant for the local Division three school. Uh, at the time, it was Mary Washington College. Now it's University of Mary Washington. And I think that's really when um, I knew I, I had a passion for coaching, a passion for teaching, um, a passion for uh, giving back to a game that really has given so much to me through the years. Um, and then uh, ended up marrying into it. My wife, Caroline, um, she played uh, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Um, both of my parents still active in the game. My mom's a line judge. Uh, my dad does a lot of refereeing at, at, a, at a bunch of Division One schools and some of these larger uh, club tournaments. My brother's an avid outdoor player. So you can say uh, it's a family affair all the way around. One thing that everybody's taken notice of since you got to Statesboro, you made a big emphasis on the social media presence, not only from Georgia Southern Volleyball, but your account as well. How important is that to you, and why did you decide that that was going to be an integral part of what you were going to do? Well, I guess you could say I'm just trying to swag like Chad. You know, uh, I'm taking the lead from from Lunsford. Uh, it was funny when I when I first accepted the job and the number of people that reached out via text, phone calls, emails, social media. Um, I, I was joking. I, I wanted to slam my phone down uh, at some point that night, and then uh, uh, my wife uh, was 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 one of the first to let me know that uh, I got a, a tweet from uh, Chad Lunsford. And how you don't tap into all those followers, uh, you'd be stupid not to take advantage of that. But uh, you know, I just 
first one of my first priorities coming down here was uh, I wanted to make our program visible. Um, you know, we have a motto here that we're going to be nothing if open, honest, and genuine about everything that we do. And I think it's important for you know our team, our program um, to live that every single day. But I also want the community, the campus community. Um, I want everyone that that has an opportunity to pour into our program to see you know exactly who we are. Uh, we're very transparent about our process and the way we go about it every single day. So, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do that stuff. It's fun. We enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's not just for show. It's really who we are. Um, you know, we just want to encourage everybody uh, to get as involved with our program as they can. It seems like the players and your staff have really bought into it, especially on April Fool's Day. They pulled a prank on you. Take us through that story and what is going through your mind when that's going through? You know, I think that's a situation of the fourth time is a charm because they tried uh, three three separate times that day uh, to prank me. You know what's funny? It's ironic. It started at practice. We have uh, we have early morning practices on on Mondays, Wednesdays from uh, six fifteen to seven forty five. And I said uh, I said it is April Fool's. I said, but you know, with me being new, I, I didn't want to go go too hard on you all. But little did I know that it was going to come back full circle. Um, so prank one was they I walked on them trying to uh, tape an air horn uh, under my desk chair. That failed miserably. Um, and then uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm sitting in the office and they toss in a, a Febreze bomb where they tried to tape down a Febreze can and uh, make my office smell. But that the tape fell apart, so that didn't end up working. And then uh, I was informed and walked out to them uh, doing sticky notes on the Jeep out in the parking lot. So that was fun. Um, and uh, so prior to that, I'm like, okay, this is this is going pretty well. I've, I've, I've walked in on everything they tried to do. But they got me good with academics because they know uh, they know how to hit me hard right where it right where it hurts. Uh, but uh, that was great. And, you know, I, I got to say, uh, I ran into TK in the hall and he said, you know, I'm going to take this as a good sign that your team's going, you know, to this extreme to really try and prank you on April Fool's. But, uh, you know, there's such a, it's just a testament to, to the culture that we're building right now and, and, and the group that we have. Um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know them the last two months. And uh, I think uh, they'd probably say the same thing. And uh, when you're surrounded by great people every single day, um, it makes it easy to, to, to build a kind of culture that, that we're trying to build here. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure to go out and check it out on social media with Georgia Southern Volleyball on Twitter. The full video is posted there. But one final thing that I wanted to talk about before we get to our last question the impact that you've had on this community already people are talking about it around the campus of you and your staff and your team have been at pretty much any georgia southern event that there has been can testify that there were so many georgia southern women's basketball games that you guys were at even when you first got announced made the trip down to savannah for the georgia southern baseball game down at grayson stadium last week how important is that to get you and your team out being able to support the other teams while also becoming visible in the community it's it's really important and again, it goes back to us just, you know, it's that motto of being open, honest, and genuine. And, you know, some of the conversations that we've had as a team, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, our cornerstones here, what we're going to be about, what Georgia Southern Volleyball is going to be about. Uh, you know, we're about uh, academic integrity, athletic excellence, leadership development. And the fourth cornerstone is is serving others first. And so I'm a firm believer uh, when you have an opportunity to, to, to be a part of this athletic department and this campus community, um, we want to engage ourselves as much as possible. 
possible. Um, so we want to not only be visible, but we want to be supportive. We want to encourage. We want to inspire. Um, we want to let all the other student athletes, all the other teams, coaches know um, that this is about family for us. Um, and you know, when we talk about family, we talk about being in it uh, for each other and with each other every single day. So um, for me, that's just you know, that's genuine. That's a part of who we are. Um, and you know, once we shared with our with our team about you know this is how we're going to do things, um, you know, they invested in it from the very beginning, uh, and it didn't take a lot to, to to get them on board with that mission and that vision. And like I said, when you have a contagious the contagious energy that that Georgia Southern has right now um, from all the sports, you know, and basketball having the year they had, Chad having the year they had, Rodney and what they're doing right now, and uh, with the new hire with with women's basketball and Anita and the, the energy energy that she's bringing to campus, um, you know, we just want to tap into that. We want everyone to know that that we're on board, um, we're ready to roll, we're ready to gather with every single person here and and really get after it. Finally, before we let you go, this is called Beyond the Bio in this segment. Give us something that reading your bio online, seeing you at Hanner Fieldhouse, something that they may not get, something beyond your bio. Uh, yeah, something beyond the bio. It's a tough question. Um, nothing really is interesting in me with me. Uh, but uh, I uh, am an avid golfer. Um, I am terrible at it. Um, but uh, going back on the what you're talking about, Willis, with the uh, basketball March Madness edition with TK, I'll have to say I may have to shift my mentality a little bit and get Mark and Anita to give me some uh, one-on-one basketball lessons. Because if you saw any of that, man, um, you know, I I like to consider myself a, a pretty good athlete, and I can pick things up rather quickly. But uh, my basketball skills um, leave a lot to be desired. So, uh, Mark and Anita, um, you know, I'll be coming at you for a little individual lesson here in the next couple of weeks uh, so I can get that rematch with TK on, on the schedule for next year. But, uh, but yeah, no, I enjoy all things sports. So, uh, looking forward to, to, to watching a great basketball game tonight. And uh, we got a lot of great uh, events this week on campus with softball and, and baseball. And uh, I'm actually throwing out the pitch Friday night um, for the baseball game against Texas State and looking forward to, to seeing all the fans out there to support Rodney and, and his fellas and, and Kim and her, her, her ladies as well. So, so yeah, I think just an avid lover of sports all the way around. Coach, appreciate your time. Appreciate everything that you've already done for Georgia Southern Athletics and continue to do, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Hail Southern. Once again, that's the one of the newest additions to Eagle Nation and the volleyball head coach, Chad Willis. He is one of the most active, one of the most enthusiastic. We talked about it in the interview he is at just about every Georgia Southern event there is. That, and he is extremely active on social media as well, putting out the profile that he wants for his program. I'm excited to see how things go for him. A lot of good things along the horizon for Georgia Southern Volleyball under head coach Chad Willis. But we move on to the week that is coming up for Georgia Southern Baseball. As four games this week, it starts off on Wednesday against the Kennesaw State Owls. Six o'clock first pitch here from J.I. Clement Stadium, a Kennesaw State team that'll come in 16 and 17, three and three in A-Sun play. They dropped the series to UNC Wilmington this past weekend as they stepped out of A-Sun play. But gonna be led by Terrence Norman at the plate, 336 average, 23 RBIs, but another guy that's having a really good year, Jake Franklin, as they've got five guys that are hitting over 300 in their order. A 283 team batting average, and one of the guys you would expect to be up there that isn't is the shortstop Tyler Simon. He was a third baseman a year ago, but he and David Shabut have flipped spots. He's been primarily playing shortstop this year. But, Colin, that's a team you've actually seen already this season when you filled in for Georgia Tech a couple of weeks ago. Filled in for Wiley Ballard of the Georgia Tech Radio Network a couple of weeks ago up at Kennesaw as Georgia Tech had no problem with 
Kennesaw State whatsoever. But didn't, didn't Kyle McCann hit one to the moon? 3-0 pitch. Kyle McCann hit a ball. You remember a couple of years ago when we were up at Kennesaw and Ryan Cleveland hit one past the right field wall to the eating establishment? It seemed like he hit the ball back to Statesboro. Pretty much. And this is no joke. Across the street from Stillwell Stadium up in Kennesaw, there is a eating establishment past the right field wall. Across the street. That's a four-lane road. Yeah. And he hit it to the parking lot. I thought that was one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit until Kyle McCann unleashed his fury on that 3-0 pitch. <laughs> it was – that was crazy. But, nonetheless, Kennesaw State will come into J.I. Clement Stadium. Has not been announced who they will start as of yet, but this is a Kennesaw State team that is 0-9 away from Kennesaw. They benefit from playing a lot of games at Stillwell Stadium just about every year simply because of their geographics. 16-8 and eight at home is quite good. They're pitching a little bit better this year with a team ERA of under 4.5. Granted, with these midweek games, we don't get to see what these teams have from their best. We get a chance to see guys that are trying to prove themselves. We've seen them go with Nathan Dupree and Ryan Kennedy over the last couple of years. A guy like Jake McClinsky has made four midweek starts this season. They live with two-seam fastballs. They're trying to get ground ball outs. They're trying to turn double plays. They always seem to be amongst the leaders in the Atlantic Sun in that category. Kevin Arminio, the longtime pitching coach for even longer time, and <laughs> Coach Mike Sansing for the Owls program. He has seen that program from transitioning from Division Two, where he won 60 games in a year, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, to Division One being rather successful. They went to a super regional back in 2014, a regional that Georgia Southern was involved in down in Tallahassee. There aren't a whole lot of guys that have seen more than Mike Sansing. Rodney Hanna would be right in that category as well. But remember, since they've been transitioning from Division II, this series only dates back to 2007. This is still a relatively nascent program in terms of Division I competition. Georgia Southern leads 15-11 all-time. They've won five in the last six. After the Wednesday game, Georgia Southern will welcome in the Bobcats of Texas State. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a little bit different on the times this weekend. 6.30 the first pitch as usual on Friday, 3 o'clock as usual on Saturday. Then on Sunday, it's a 12.30 first pitch, so Texas State can catch their plane back to San Marcos. But a Texas State team that entering the week comes in 20-12 and 12 overall, 7-5 and 5 in Sunbelt Conference play. They salvaged a game in the series this past weekend after Troy surprisingly took both games of the doubleheader on Friday, 7-3, to and then 7-6. to Took both of the games on Friday in that doubleheader because they were trying to shuffle around because of weather that ended up coming in San Marcos. On Saturday, they started the game, got to the third inning, and then rain, lightning, hail, any kind of weather you can think of that's not snow or sunny, was pretty much at Bobcat Ballpark. Are you know that glass thing that, that if you put your hand on it, the electrical charges go up? Correct. That's what it looked like from the video that Barry McKnight, the fine voice of the Trojans, put up a couple of days ago on social media. So they suspended that game on Saturday in the third inning. Texas State was leading at the time 4-3. to three. Troy comes back to tie the ball game and ends up in a 7-7 to seven tie as they go to the ninth inning go into extra innings, and Texas State walks it off 8-7, to seven, a final in 10 innings against the Troy Trojans. So they salvage a game in that series. They will be on the road for all four games this week. As tonight on Tuesday, they will be at Texas A&M in College Station at Bluebell Park. 
So if you want to do a little bit of scouting on Texas State, as Georgia Southern has a Tuesday off with the Wednesday game against Kennesaw State, yep. tune into the Texas State Sports Network. I'm sure Brant Freeman or Bo Colhane will take you through the action. It's also on SEC Network Plus, but Georgia Southern will welcome them in this weekend. But a Texas State team, you've got a number of returning guys. You've got Jalen Hubbard, Dalton Sheffield, but their weekend pitching has been a little bit suspect. Nick Fraze has been good at times. In fact, he's been really good at times. He struck out 12 earlier this year in a victory over Rice. We saw how good Connor Wright could be. Georgia Southern got to him early in that game in San Marcos a year ago when the Eagles took two out of three. But once he settled in, Georgia Southern could not touch that heavy sinking fastball. Up and down he has been all throughout his career. Texas State, though, was wondering how they were going to be this year, having to replace a couple of four-year starters up the middle in Luke Shirley and Jonathan Ortega, two of the best in the league playing with each other, turning double plays. They turned a couple of outstanding double plays in that series a year ago in San Marcos. But what they've done is they moved Shuffield, a guy who burst onto the scene last year, in left field, they groomed him as the heir apparent for Shirley at short. So he has moved from the outfield to the infield. You know Jalen Hubbard is holding things down at third base, one of the livelier bats in the Sunbelt Conference. Flip Rodriguez has taken over as the full-time catcher. They've always been able to hit. Ty Harrington's teams always hit. When they pitched, they have been extremely difficult to handle. So it seems when they pitch, they win. Georgia Southern's been fortunate enough that last year they caught them in instances where they were struggling on the mound, and they took the final two games of that series. A couple of surprising numbers for Texas State. You look at a guy like Anthony Pagano that had really good numbers out of the bullpen for them a year ago. Yep. And then this year he comes in. He comes in with a over 7 ERA. Had a tough outing against Troy this weekend in a short appearance against the Trojans. Well, we listened to that game coming down the mountain since we played at 10 a.m. We were able to catch almost the entire Troy-Texas State game. Bagano came in. I believe he walked three in a row, could not get out of a bases loaded jam. But a stat that Brant Freeman threw out, and just like that's one of the reasons why we love Brant because he's so dedicated to this. Nobody had a bases loaded hit the entire series. I think it was come out 0 for 14. Wow. So it could have been a lot worse in terms of runs scored. But for the teams to go combined, 0 for 14 with the bases loaded, that was definitely noteworthy. Troy, though, I think showed some people a lot, especially themselves taking the first two games, but Texas State to be able to get the finale and set themselves up for a four-game week all on the road. That's got to put them in at least a better frame of mind. But this is you this weekend. It is. This is all you this weekend. I haven't officially announced this Eagle Nation, but I'm going to be heading back to Maryland this coming weekend. One of my best friends growing up has asked me to be a groomsman, so I'll be involved in his wedding all weekend up in western Maryland. So you'll get a chance to listen to the vibes of Colin Lacey and Terry Harvin. Now, we'll be here for the Wednesday game against Kennesaw, but Colin and Terry will guide you through Sunbelt play against Texas State this weekend. So when's the wedding? It is actually Saturday afternoon. So you're going to listen Friday and Sunday? I will try to on Sunday, but Friday we've got we've got the rehearsal, we've mm-hmm. got the dinner downtown, the ceremony is Saturday afternoon. Oh yeah. Okay. So then you've got the reception and we all know and what then, comes yeah. with the reception and then the log trip back from Maryland to North Carolina where I'm meeting up with my girlfriend Daryl Lynn Roberts, so I'm gonna take her back there and then head back down and hopefully listen to an Eagle sweep sometime on Sunday. 
But again, Georgia Southern and the Texas State Bobcats this weekend. 6.30 the first pitch on Friday, 3 o'clock on Saturday, 12.30 on Sunday. But it all gets started on the four-game week with Georgia Southern against Kennesaw State. 6 o'clock the first pitch on Wednesday night here from J.I. Clement Stadium. We'll be on the air at 5.30 with the Eagle on Deck Circle. But make sure to share the podcast, tell your friend, tell a couple friends. You can they, listen to... They tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell two friends. It's like that... Uh, what's that movie? Pass It On? You tell one person... Pay it forward? Yeah, there okay, you go. Okay. Pay it forward. That's what I was trying to say. It's, you had it. I was I was on the right frame of mind. You were in the ballpark. Yeah. Jack Clement's ballpark. <laughs> there it is. Anyway. Six o'clock first pitch on Wednesday. We'll be on the air at 5.30. As make sure to share the podcast with... Anybody and everybody that you see fit, you can hear all the previous episodes, all 33 episodes archived on gseagles.com under the Fan Zone tab. Also on TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We've got football stories from Roger Emmon. We've got basketball stories from Miss Helen Yates. We've got baseball stories from Roger Emmon. You can hear interviews from everybody across Georgia Southern Athletics. You can go back and listen to Jason Richmond and Cody Wofford. You can go back during football season, hear from Vic Cabral, and many, many others. Everything is archived right there on gseagles.com under the Fan Zone tab. If you haven't had a chance to listen to too many of these, get yourself back ready for football season because that is going to be here before we know it down in Baton Rouge on August 31st. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, boy. Which is your favorite interview that we've done on this podcast? Are we talking Eagle Tales? Or? We're, no, we're talking the Beyond the Bio where we talk to somebody else. We'll do Eagle Tales next week. My so favorite. Prepared. Jeez, my favorite beyond the bio. Try to think about everybody we've actually we've had. had. Chad Willis this week. We've had men's soccer coach Coach Murphy on as he was the inaugural one. You know what? I'm going to go with that one because when he started talking about Boston bats, you know, <laughs> whenever Murph starts talking about Boston bats, you got me. He he gave us a look inside of his of his office. A lot of things that he has on his desk and in his walls. That was a really good one. That was the very first one that we did. So if you want to check back and listen to Coach Murphy and hear that one, I, I'd suggest it. I really liked him. A lot of really good people around Georgia Southern Athletics. That's what makes these. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. The important thing is to provide and share stories. That's the basis of what especially we do. And when you spend time with other people, you're telling stories from things you've already done. That's when you get together with people, that's what most of the time is done. I mean, you could talk about what's going to happen as much as you can, but you don't know what's going to happen. You talk about things that have happened and your recollections of them and how they made you feel. And we have so many people that have been vested here for so long and feel as passionately about this place as they do, then the stories just naturally flow out. And hopefully for those of you that have listened to this on a week-by-week basis, you've gotten a better appreciation for what makes this place special. And as we go forward, we're going to try to make that even better. We will dive into more stories next week, every Tuesday. The podcast comes out at 3 a.m. If you're up at that hour, go ahead, tune it in, listen to it. What? Oh. I mean, 
and asked me what time I wanted it to post, and I said 3 a.m. for whatever reason. Okay, if you're a sadist and you want to listen to this at 3 a.m. every Tuesday, feel free. But if you want to be a normal person, you can listen to it sometime that day or listen to any of them whenever you want to. Hey, some people have to be up for work at that hour. Thank God I'm not one of them. There you go. But Georgia Southern this week, Kennesaw State Wednesday, Texas State Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Until next week, for the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed, this is Colin Lacey saying so long, everybody.